Welcome to the Woohoo Crew podcast, where cosmic culture meets pop culture, where we discuss topics like astrology, numerology, the mind-body connection, as well as sports, music, and entertainment. I'm your host, Brandon. I'm joined by my co-host, my pseudo-guru, Cheryl. We are the Woohoo Crew. Hello, Cheryl, my pseudo-guru. Welcome to episode 11. That is 11 straight weeks we've done this podcast through Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, through rain, sleet, and snow. We deliver (laughs) to you, our listeners. So I want to start off the show today by answering a question that we get often from people who haven't listened much to the podcasts. The question is, what is Woohoo Crew about? Cheryl, you want to answer that one? It's a really good question. And woohoo, Brandon. I love that it's our 11th episode because 11 is such a powerful number. I, it's, it's coming together your pop culture views and my cosmic views, bringing them both together and the literacy between the two. So we're, we're you and I working together to understand each other and to see how they correlate. Yeah. Yeah. And sharing these with um, our listeners. It started off as sharing them with our woohoo, our woohooers, those who, who want to become more literate in the cosmos and can relate to it from what's happening in, in pop culture as a reference. And then we decided to bring it out to, to all who mm-hmm. care to listen. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, I, I would say that's pretty accurate. I mean, my view has always been that we we want to provide some some entertainment and some knowledge and some opinions on everything from astrology to to football, which is what I like to infuse uh, sometimes. But not just having interesting topics to talk about, but but really from a, a lens that anybody, regardless of their exposure to a subject, can uh, can follow along and enjoy. Yeah, and to understand how the signs and symbols are are working with us and to to understand the season and yes there's football season there's winter season there's also like now we just began aquarius season and what that means that energy and how we can all we have individual signs and symbols as well as there's collective energy these frequencies and how to raise our frequency raise our vibration to raise the frequency and vibration of the planet yeah you know just for you know, anybody who's been listening since day one, I mean, they're most likely a part of Woohoo Craft, which is a uh, platform you and I put together. And talk about what, how you would explain Woohoo Craft. Well, I'm grateful that you told me to do this. So <laughs> each day, the Woohooers get an email, which sends them to our portal, the Woohoo portal, and they receive a breath that correlates to what's happening in the cosmos and the day of the week. And then they also get some wisdom in the form of an attachment that they could print out or save. So they're learning something in correlation, perhaps um, a, a potion, like a liver potion during Sagittarius season. Uh, or now that it's Aquarius, they'll receive some things about the cir- circulatory system. And um, then they also receive twice a week, a talk with, with me, their pseudo guru, their pretend guru, a talk about what's happening in the, the season for the, so they 
they start to learn about each of the signs, the 12 signs of the zodiac, as well as the arenas of the houses, the 12 houses, and then the planets as well that rule those houses. And they learn how to work with the energies, with the frequencies to raise their own. It's a 12 month, like year round deep dive into basically every day, you know? It's every day, it's yeah. every day that they, they've received it. And um, there's also yoga that's in correlation as well, depending on the system of the body and the organ mm -hmm. and the part of the body that each season is in. We have a, a, a group that has been in, in with us in learning and, and understanding the cosmic literacy of it all. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up. I mean, so for the people that that have joined and have been in this in the portal since day one, they are appear to absolutely be in love with this daily process that they're doing. So one of the things we're going to be rolling out here in the next probably one to two months is creating different layers, right? So different, mm -hmm. um, we'll call it we'll call it levels, I guess. Uh, so you'll have like a, a starter or a beginner level and we'll, we'll come up with much cooler names for these, but, and maybe it's just about yoga and meditation and breath work and stretching and, you know, those types of things that really is what I think drew me into this whole realm and then getting to know you and then sort of doing that on a daily basis. That that's about the level that I'm at myself. Uh, you're much deeper but, you know, doing a little bit of yoga and meditation every day for me is, you know, when I can do that, it's, I feel so much better. Tell me if this is the right way to explain it. So taking what we currently have and maybe going even a little bit deeper for the higher levels, but creating some lower uh, levels that really anybody with a pulse could, uh, you know, could participate in if, if they wanted to. And, and I could talk all day about the, the mental and physical benefits of just even basic yoga and stretching and meditating. Yeah, and I like the idea of having a woohoo prep school where you learn basic yoga strategies and breathing tools that correlate to the days of the week. And then there's the next level, which we're in now, which is woohoo craft, where you learn not only the correlation of the days of the week, you also learn with the seasons and the planets and the houses and bringing in nutrition and the organ systems and the elements and the, the colors and all of the things. And from there, the highest level would be the woohoo university where we would take that up a notch that, that will be starting as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. And we have a cool name for it, uh, or at least some of the lower levels that I'm not going to share right now, just because I want to keep it a secret. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited because I think this is going to open this up to a lot of people who can, can really benefit from it. Because I think everyone wants to know, like, what does that mean, high vibe? And how can I get my vibrations higher? And how does that affect the whole and what does this even mean when I look at a chart or how do I even get my chart uh, astrologically? And what does this mean? How can I find out what my innate gifts are mm -hmm. and how can I work with them? Yep. Cool. Okay. Well, I think uh, hopefully that, that answered the original question and then some, and I'm excited about what's in store for us.
Me too. And if, and if you, anybody has any feedback or if they want to add or maybe just offer their, their thoughts, hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking. How can they hit us up? What's your email? You want to give them your email address? Sure. My email is pseudoguru at woohooWoohoo.com. And the woohoos have three O's, the trinity of the three O's, all the woohoos. Pseudoguru at woohooWoohoo.com. You can also look at woohooWoohoo.com to get a feel of what we're doing. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, look at we're getting we're getting better at plugging things. We are. All right. <laughs> all right. We'll see you back here for the first quarter. Yes. First quarter, reason for the season. Woohoo! Okay, first quarter. Cheryl, what's going on in the cosmos? It's Aquarius season. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so that's an air sign. It's the it's the third air sign, the most evolved air sign, the, the unity consciousness. Now you say most evolved. What does that mean? The most evolved. It could start. Gemini is the first air sign. So that's about your ourselves. It's a, it's about learning, knowledge, gaining knowledge, communication. And Libra is a second one, which is partnership, harmony and balance in partnership. And then the third one is Aquarius. It's about all of humanity. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's pro humanity. It's future oriented. Okay. It comes in and shakes things up. It's electric. Yeah. And I like the sound of this. <laughs> yeah, it takes us places that we can't perceive. And in this pro-humanity future-oriented, it's it's the these moments of revelation, these gifts that come through and they land in our in our container, our, like our Capricorn container that we talked about. Capricorn is the skeletal system, the containment. And this is when you have those downloads, those new thoughts the new solutions come through, you download them into you. And they're just like the air right now, the weather here in the Northern hemisphere, it's cold, clear, crisp, the middle of winter, that penetrating electrifying air, it's a new way, it's a new technology. So that's the, that's the vibration that we can catch now and work with. Okay. So it's that, it's that meeting of freedom and knowledge and community. And what's interesting about it is it's our individual self. So individuated, making sure that we're authentic and we have, we have friendships to work with others that are like-minded, like a football team. So if you, if you were a quarterback, you wouldn't be able to play a game all by yourself, right? Be tough. It would be would be tough. So you would need other players so that you could play the game, and each each person does their individual part for the collective of the team. So that's the paradigm of the Aquarian age, and which we're in, which we're getting into. We've we've been getting into, and it's the the season right now. It's making sure that we're in our own individual authenticity and that we have a group of friendship, the arena of the 11th house that we can play it out with, that we can work with other people that share our beliefs. Props to the football analogy. That was pretty good. Oh, thank you. I've been listening. Yeah, that (laughs) might be your best one so far. 
<laughs> so it's it's for us to understand the interconnected field that we live in that we all we all contribute to. So there's a collective consciousness, and then there's an individual con consciousness. And in order to shift things, in order to evolve, we have to make a change. We have to figure out what it is that's not working and have a solution that's never been made before. That's the game right now. And usually I find it's what you notice when you were little that just didn't make sense that humanity could do better. And like, for me, I knew at a very young age that schools could be better, that it didn't make sense how it was. And I've, I've worked on that my whole adult life yeah. to try to change the frequency in schools. Mm -hmm. And it's a time for us to, to challenge our most commonly held beliefs and notice if we have any conditioned or trained patterns and try to break them. Like making sure that the, the patterns and the beliefs that we have are ours and not from like when we were younger, maybe peer pressure to get like Farrah Fawcett haircut or peer pressure to, <laughs> um, to, to act a certain way, to think a certain way or societal pressures or family pressures, you know, the pressure system, right? To repress, compress, suppress, depress our, our authenticity. This is the time to understand what our truth is, our, our real self is, our individual gifts to help humanity evolve. See, I needed this conversation back in the 80s when I grew up and I was begging my parents for parachute pants. Do you remember this? I do remember yeah, those. Those, I, those, were, those were horrible. But Oh, they had you wear them or you wanted to wear them? Oh, I had them. No, I begged for them. Ooh. Yeah. And they, and I got them. And, well, do you have any uh, pictures? We need some pictures. Yeah, we need some I, pictures of this. Yeah. I was, I was definitely not working on my, uh, my uniqueness, my individuality in those days. <laughs> well, those were fun pants. I had a pair myself. I think we need to see that, that picture. Okay. I could probably produce that. I've shared far more, uh, embarrassing things on social media. <laughs> we still need to see the picture of you wearing red. Yeah, that's one of them. So this is the this is the season of a rebel with a cause. Okay. Innovating, rebelling against something that's not working that you can tell, and having the the guts really to to be to be authentic, even if people are are going to get upset, even if people are going to go against you, not like you, possibly even cancel you because of your beliefs and your authenticity. Yeah. So. How does that really benefit somebody though? So let's just say they have the gall to be uh. <laughs> to be authentic and they know it's going to upset other people, but they're still gonna do it. How does that how does that really benefit the subject person we're talking about? Like is that does this just put them on a higher, higher vibration, as we like to say, or or what like what's the real you know benefit for adhering to the season in that respect? I like that question. So if you're the people that will get mad at you for being authentic may not be your, the right friendship group, which would mean friendship, meaning the group to evolve with, you might need to be with a different group. And so when you're in your authenticity, you will magnetically draw those people in and you'll feel better because you're in your 
real belief system. And so, and you're daring to be different. You're staying true to yourself, even when mm-hmm. others are trying to sway you toward another reality and even, you know, feeling judged or rejected, you're holding your frequency. It'll be a lot more rewarding because conforming when you feel judged or rejected is not rewarding at all. That's a great answer. So being, being authentic is, uh, is going to draw you in closer to basically where you should be, not necessarily where you currently are. Yeah. It'll, it'll get you higher when you're more authentic and doing, you know, and if you think about it, um, like think about some, some of those societal norms that you don't really line up with, but it's the narrative. So you just do it. Mm -hmm. And when you realize, wait a minute, I don't want to conform to that anymore. And this is the time and think, you know, consider the innovators and the people that haven't conformed and how much they've shifted society. Like, Dr. Martin uh, Luther King Jr. Yeah, so that yeah. was the first one that came to mind, and we just celebrated his uh, his holiday. So that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Obviously, though, there are there's always. I mean, we're in a polarity planet, right? So there's always mm-hmm. going to be, you know, examples that aren't uh, that may change the course of things, but not necessarily for a good way. Right. Right. It could. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I just. So that's I just. Right. I just turn things dark all of a sudden. <laughs> well, no. I mean, we love it. Right. That's like like you just said. Yeah. We live on a polarity planet, so everything can be used for a higher frequency or a lower frequency. Yeah. Everything. It's fair. You can, we can be constructing or destructing. And the, the lower frequency of Aquarius would be my way or the highway. Do it my way. My way is right. That, that would be a lower frequency. So people like that, that are trying to get you to do things their way. And the higher, the higher frequency would be doing things for the greater good of the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Cool. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you start with your own frequency. You find ways to raise your vibration with aligning with high vibrational energies like joy, love, gratitude, laughter. And then that you challenge yourself to stay in those vibrations no matter what. And then from there, you affect other people. And when you're in your authenticity, when you're in your true gifts, no matter what that is, your authenticity, whether it's, you know, like if you grew up in a family of people who like to eat um, only greens, you know, leaves, vegetables, fruit, and you really wanted to eat meat, be authentic. If you're an O type blood and you need meat or something like that, or vice versa, you grew up with a lot of meat eaters on a ranch and you wanted to become a vegan or a plant-based, that would be like a food type thing. There's also, of course, religion and, um, you know, sexuality and so many other things that like bait your basic needs of authenticity. But then it goes even beyond that with your, your beliefs. Like even like, let's say you live, could even be like, you live in a neighborhood and there's certain rules and restrictions in your neighborhood. Like you have to have your front yard with grass that's mowed and you realize the ridiculousness of that because it doesn't help anything and you're putting chemicals in the yard and you really want to have an organic garden in your front yard a regenerative garden and with maybe some cow not cows uh, goats that would be these awesome would be, these would be my dreams and you know the neighborhood association frowns upon it and you might get in trouble like that kind of thing i checked ours goats are not allowed it's i'm pretty bummed Mm, well, but you see, you could shift it and change it. And you, you're, you're, you're Aquarius moon. Mm-hmm. 
So that, that would be a good thing for you. So like that, or let's say like for me, I have, um, my 11th house is, um, cancer. So my, and I have my, it's cancer and my Venus is in cancer. So my, my love language. So it might be different than, you know, or my parenting, how I, how I was a mother. I always felt very different than all the other mothers in the school, <laughs> you can imagine. And, um, so, but I also, so being my individual self, like what I could do to help the school, because I was very much active. And what did I do? I taught yoga in all of the, my kids' schools, always as, as courses and their elementary school to the whole school. So, you know, it's like that. I didn't conform. I wasn't, I told them day one, I'm not running, making copies for you on the copy machine. I will help with my gifts. So it's like that, but I'm still helping the school. And um, still playing well, you know, because it's that's that's the game of Aquarius. You're being in your individual self and playing well, working well with others. Yeah, that's it. That's a trick. That's well, a hard. That's a challenge. right. It's not easy. Uh, that was really good. That was um, makes a lot of sense. And I'm excited about shaking some things up this season. Oh, good. And and being true to myself. And raising the high vibrations of the planet. That's a, that's a lofty goal. Well, if, and if we don't get goats or um, front yard gardens in our neighborhood, let's do our neighborhood that we talked about <laughs> with each house, a different sign, right? Goats would be a good baby. That would be a good baby. So I, I, I firmly believe we should just have goats randomly uh, roaming through the neighborhood. It's, it's a win-win for everybody. I think so. You know, in India, cows are always roaming free and it's so fun just to go outside and hang out with some cows. You can't be in a, in, in, you know, in a, a low mood, a low vibration when there's cows around because <laughs> they're holy, right? It's like, holy cow. Yeah. I can't be in, stuck in my stuff right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we could be holy goat, right? The Capricorns would love to have all the goats. So would the deer in my neighborhood too. Yeah. They would probably get along. All right. Great stuff as always. We will see you back here for the second quarter. Okay. Second quarter. Woo wire. Woohoo! We're back. Second quarter. I tell a story. Pseudo Guru channels a cosmic force on the woohoo wire. And we ask that cosmic force a question about my story. Today, I want to talk about music, specifically a song called Black. I remember like it was yesterday when I first heard the song. I was 17 years old. My dad paid me and a friend to paint his office one weekend. And while painting, my friend played a cassette tape. That's right, kids. Cassette tape. You have to look that one up. Of this brand new band called Pearl Jam and their first album called 10. So I fell in love with Pearl Jam immediately. Every single song on the album was great. But there was one that stood out and, and I just couldn't get enough of. And that was the song Black. I must have listened to Black probably a hundred times on that little boom box that I had over the weekend. And there's just something about it. And then uh, about a year later, Pearl Jam did a recording for VH1's Unplugged. I'm not sure if VH1 or Unplugged is still a thing, but back in the 90s, they would record a live show. Uh, of a band using usually only acoustic instruments and they'd have this small intimate crowd in the studio the entire pearl jam show is great as expected but this version of black that they did on unplugged was just out of this world and i remember thinking wow 
you know, this this song was great on the album, but then they took it to a whole new level with this acoustic version. And I can't overstate how much this song meant to me. I, I didn't know why, but it did. Like, I felt more emotional, but in a good way, every time I heard it. I felt more focused, like, like I knew what I wanted at, at the time. And I, and I still do. For some reason, it, it just, that song resets my brain in a, in a positive way. And it's not a light-hearted song at all. I mean, it's, it's heavy. I mean, it's called Black, right? It's dark. It's basically about having to let go of your true love. And you have Eddie Vedder singing repeatedly at the end, we belong together. Like on paper, it's, it's kind of creepy. But despite that, the song still means something different to me. I, I don't know why. And, and here's something really cool I didn't learn until years later. So you have this new band in Pearl Jam. They took off right away because that album 10 was really good. But despite the band trying to, quote unquote, make it, they chose not to release the song Black as a single because it was too emotional. And, and what they said was the soul of that first album 10 and that really pissed off the record label it's it's also why you almost never or at the time you didn't really hear it on the radio and i didn't realize that until recently here's a quote from an article about the song despite pressure from epic records the band refused to make it into a single citing it as too personal and expressing fear that its emotional weight would be destroyed in a music video eddie vetter stated that Quote, fragile songs get crushed by the business. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't think the band wants to be a part of it. Unquote. Vetter personally called radio station managers to make sure Epic Records had not released a song as a single against his wishes. That's crazy to think about. But it's not so crazy if you watch that recording of Black on, on VH1 Unplugged. You can, you can feel like this genuine pain in, in the lyrics and or the positive pain if you're, if you're weird like me and you, you see it that way but you know just to provide some context on this song i'm a big music fan i have eclectic tastes my favorite band is actually a jam band called fish there's not a genre of music that is really off limits to me i've, I've probably been to over 200 live shows which that actually may be an understatement i lost count a long time ago and i'm not telling you this to say hey i'm a huge music nerd uh, my point is, after hearing thousands of songs in my lifetime, 30 years after hearing Black by Pearl Jam for the first time, it's still my favorite song. It's still my go-to when I just want to throw on some headphones and close my eyes and crank up the volume. And I'm, you know, I'm the only one that I've ever met that probably said Black is their all-time favorite song. Everyone's different. My wife would tell you that her favorite song is Puff the Magic Dragon. My kids currently can't stop listening to party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. One of my best friends song is favorite song is Scarlet Begonias by the Grateful Dead. Each person listening here is going to have a different song. Some of you may, may say that the newly released woohoo song written by our friend Felicia Ruth is their favorite, but the end result is the same. Their favorite song elevates them to a higher place. So my question is, how can one song stand out among thousands and find a way to raise someone's vibration higher than any other song to get them into this beautiful mental state that 
other songs just couldn't quite do. Hey there, it's 11. Hey, 11. So the song evoked the truth and my essence, 11 is the truth. The truth is the word. So the song through the infinite, it had that download, that infinite download in the sound current. He was in the flow, in the groove of the universe when he sang that song okay. and it built a momentum of infinite possibilities that you catch each time you listen to it. Is that why interpretations can be sometimes different? Yeah, because the interpretation is your truth. So the whole currency of the song has my 11 essence, which is the truth in the word, both the actual words, the lyrics, and the sound current coming through in that flow. It puts you in your flow, in your groove. And that integrity that Eddie Vedder had, that integrity of word, not letting any energy leak out. He stayed in that integrity. You see him performing it. His eyes are closed. He's in the groove and it helps when you listen to it, when you catch it, you catch the transmission of that, then you expand within and without. Interesting. And you get in tune with the infinite frequency where you can do anything. Okay. Well, listen, 11, we haven't formally met. And I know we've, we've kind of been in some similar circles before, but tell me more about you. Well, thank you. Well, you know that you were born on the 11th month. So right. it's your karma to know about me. Right. And your, um, your co-host who I'm speaking through has a lot of 11s in her chart, your pseudo guru. Mm -hmm. So I am the, the sound current, the, the word helping you keep your word. And it's that it, it's the infinite. When you keep your word, it, I help you empower your word. So for you having an 11 currency, in your blueprint, you want to make sure that you're careful with what you say, because what you can say things into existence. So if you say you're going to do something, you actually want to do it. You want to, because you'll create something with the flow and your word helps you create the action. And I come in and help you create the action and your word gets more empowered. So be really careful especially if you have 11s in your chart, mm -hmm. not to complain or listen to complaints because that will create a lot of discard. And you, I am the frequency that helps you connect to the infinite. So you're meant to fall in love with your sound current. And when you fall in love with your own sound current and you have a very lovely sound current, has anybody ever told you that? Yeah, I have heard that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for bringing okay. that up. That makes me feel good. Yeah. So the sound code of, of me reveals the infinite flow of the universe and that, that revelation of infinite possibilities, that infinite options. And so my currency can help you increase the impact 
of your groove in the world. If you look at me, the two, it's two grooves together, two ones, one is your soul and it's, it's the two ones together and it helps you have your artistic and inventive genius and, and the refinement of that, of your individual inventive genius, genius be refined. Okay. Yeah. So it's the, when you, when you count on me, when you write me, when you look at me, have you ever seen 1111? Yeah, I actually, it's funny you ask. I have a, I have a friend uh, from high school. Her name was Leah and her, she would always freak out like in a good way, whenever there was 1111 on, on the clock. And like, for some reason, I don't remember why I don't, it was a, it was positive. It wasn't for a bad reason. But every time to this day I see 1111, I, I always think of her and I, I get excited, although I'm not sure why. But maybe you can help me understand why why that creates a higher uh, frequency for me when I see it. Well, when she saw it, she realized that she was in the flow of the universe because I'm expansion and double, right? 1111, double is expansion. Or sometimes you might see 22 or 33. Whenever you multiply me by one of my colleagues, it's expansion. And you're expanding within, you're expanding without. So I give you the ability to step into your power with more ease. And so you may have caught that from her because all the, all of these frequencies are contagious. That's the woohoo, right? Isn't that your, what you, what you know to be true is the woohoo mm -hmm. and that expansiveness when you have the, the cosmos, when you have the approval of the cosmos. So I'm part of that as the eleven. To, for you to know, hey, you're in the flow. I approve of what you're doing. You're expanding with your true nature. You're in your genius. And so you're feeling that you're full of infinite possibility. You lock yeah. into that flow or yeah, anything yeah. is possible. Okay. Yeah. You put that in good context as we talk about, and my co-host talks about seeking the uh, universe's approval often. And I still haven't fully wrapped my head around that, but you put that a little bit more uh, contacts for me. Yeah. And well, your co-host too, cause she has so much 11. So she has to be careful. I'm speaking through her right now mm -hmm. because she, she can go any direction. And sometimes when you can go any direction, it actually leads to like inertia. So, um, she, she needs to be careful not to be, get pulled into the inertia because the undertow of it, cause she could do anything with all of her 11. So she has to be careful, but the best solution for my energy is to create goals and to set sail and be open to bigger, better possibilities. And yes, so when you see me and that's what your studio guru tries to tell you is sharing with you is those are ways, the signs and symbols are the ways that the cosmos are, are saying to you, it's like, we're winking at you. Hey, you're, yeah, we approve. It's, it's us like lifting our arms up. And if you think about it, you lift two arms up, right? The arms are like number ones. It's me. It's 11, mm. right? It's pretty Yay. funny. Yeah. Or if you're standing on your head, you're standing on your hands and you're lifting your legs up. That's me. So it's saying, yeah, and you try that stand on your head, stand on your hands and you'll feel, you'll feel the flow. You'll feel great because your heart will be above your head. So that's what I want for you, that expansion and that sound. I'm the sound current as well. So when you're in your right sound current, uh, if you think about your sound right at your throat, yes, it's, mm -hmm. it's the bridge between your head and your heart. And you want that bridge to be open and not blocked. 
So you want to make sure your head isn't too far forward or else you'll block the passageway from head to heart. And then your sound current won't be as aligned into, it won't be as authentic. So you want your authentic sound current, which is absolutely beautiful. Like all of you can sing, all of you have a sound that has a lot of impact and you count on me 11 to help that impact that vibration get authentic and, and strong. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's how you, that's how success will flow to you. And you flow to success. You just get out of the way and you let the generate generating organizing delivering force work for you let us work for you because that's what we're why we're here so you can Im impact your groove in the world and mm -hmm. fulfill your genius okay 11 thank you so much for being here and, and helping me understand uh why I, I like that song so much yes because that's what eddie veller does eddie vetter right is that his name we love his song here. We we play it all the time up in the cosmos. Yeah, I don't I don't doubt it. I would I would think it would be a big hit up there. Uh yep, Eddie Vedder. Yes, Eddie Vedder. He's totally tuned into the cosmos. You can see it, right? Have you watched him perform? Mm -hmm. Yes. Where where do you watch him? <laughs> <laughs> like we have something different where we are. So how do you get to watch him? Don't you have like a YouTube or something? I, uh, I stand behind some shrubs outside of his house. And I just, uh, <laughs> I just, uh, <laughs> I have a good effective pair of binoculars. Yeah. No, I have, uh, I have seen his band Pearl Jam in concert a few times. And, and occasionally if I want to watch a live performance, I'll, I'll turn on a thing called YouTube that we have. Yeah. So that's a way to watch him and you can see it. Look at like, so my energy 11 comes in through the crown of his head. He's downloading it and it comes right through his pineal gland all the way down out through his throat. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why it moves you so much because it's rich. It's yeah. a richness inside and, and the lyrics and his sound current are very, very rich because he has that divine vision. So for you and your listeners, the best thing you can do is listen to your sound current. And if you don't like it, notice where you're misaligned. And for a lot of your listeners, their heads are too far forward because well, they do it. Explain they, that. Well, their head, because some of them, their head um, comes in the room like five minutes before the rest of them, you know, because they're in their head. So they're, and they're always looking at their phone or looking at a computer. Their head is actually misaligned. The, the top of their spine there. So they would have to work on moving their head back and lifting it up so they can receive. Okay. I'll, I'll try that myself. It, it would be like, if you have a hose, you have hoses there. Right. And if you, if you, um, you know, we have similar things that connect all of us, we have these channels. So if you think about something, you have a hose and if it's, um, if you, if it's bent, then the water can't flow through. Right. If it's twisted or bent, same thing with your, your, the, the channels of you, the channel from your head to your heart, the channel from your, your inner knowing to your, your throat, it's not in your heart. They're not open. They're blocked because the head is pulled forward. So you just need to align it with what you do in woohoo with your yoga and your breathing techniques, your movement, that's going to help a lot. Okay. Okay.
Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again for, for coming and, and joining us and talking some music and, and aligning ourselves with our sound current. Thank you. And when you see me, just put two fingers up, you know, just like, Hey, 11. You got let, it. Let me know. Yeah. You got okay. it. I'm going to give you a big double high five next time I see you. <laughs> oh, I love five too. Like we have a thing. <laughs> yes. We, you know, when we multiplied, we made 55. Oh boy. So. <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. All right. Thank you. Have uh, safe travels back. Thank you. This week's show is sponsored by the number 11. It's the number that helps you find your true sound current. So call upon 11 when you need help finding your ideal path forward. quarter the interview Woohoo! okay welcome back to the third quarter cheryl we have a very special guest today who are we talking to today's special guest is someone you may be familiar with someone i admire greatly a teacher he has taught heart-oriented yoga and mind body practices professionally for over 40 years he's presented at more than 800 yoga seminars in over 30 countries to tens of thousands of students. In 1997, he created Anasari Yoga, one of the leading modern yoga systems in the world. He shifted gears in 2013 based on emerging science and studies and co-created the Bow Spring Yoga Method with Desi Springer. And since he's helped thousands of people all around the world improve their mind, body health, and really raise the frequency of the planet that we always strive for. I'm talking about John Friend. John, great to see you and have you here at the Woohoo House with the Woohoo Crew. Thanks so much, Cheryl. Sweet introduction. So John, you were the one that taught me the guru principle and you brought the roo, the light of awareness to the goo, the ignorance, the unknown. And we would love for you to talk about the guru principle, what that means to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. The guru principle is universal. So first of all, we think of the guru is that which brings light into darkness. So the darkness of ignorance, the darkness of what I think of as negative energy, destructive energy, even to the extremes like malice, uh, self-loathing, depression, terror. You know, these are really low, dark vibrations that are potentially within all of us, right? But then there's, there is light, there is energy that can bring us out of that, that helps to shift our awareness. Instead of seeing that we're all separate or the idea that one group is the bad guys, one guy, one group is the good guys. So we have this conflict. We start to see more that even those that we disagree with there, especially uh, today, we have a common human bond. We have, there's a spiritual connection, no matter 
our, our religious background, our cultural background, uh, race or any of that, the power of the guru allows us to see that we're connecting more at a human heart level, at a soul level. So that's what I think of as like the guru principle. I still remember uh, the first time I practiced with you, how connected I felt. That was the first time I really, really felt that connection to something bigger. And I remember just crying and I could not stop crying. And it was such a euphoric feeling and that you brought in with your, with your teaching and the way that you connected everybody in the room. Sweet, thank you so much. Yeah, and that's, a, that's kind of a guru principle, isn't it? Um, you know, whatever does bring light, you know, and we all can have a little bit of that guru principle within us. And so we, we're all like a vehicle for that energy, that spirit. So it's a, a beautiful to hear that. Thank you for that. What about a different football team? Does that count too? <laughs> now that, that is really one of the exceptions. You know, so if you're, if you're Florida and Georgia, Alabama, you know, these, uh, these are really irreconcilable differences. He's correct. And I think there's a cosmic principle about that. Yeah, he's correct. There's uh, they're the exception to the rule. That's what I thought. I know you've studied with some gurus. Can you share a bit about ones that have really taught you this guru principle that you've, you've received initiation or transmission from? Yeah, I've been really blessed with an incredible lineage of teachers. And all the, the most impactful have been, and, and gurus, the energy of the guru can even be, first of all, somebody that is not even embodied, right? So let's say that one is a, a Christian and they feel devout to uh, Jesus. They feel that that is their guru, so to speak, their teacher. And that presence, I believe, can come into our life, even if they're not embodied. And I've had um, one of the most impactful was in 18, 1989 in Ganeshpuri, India. And I was in a, a little town in India and I walked into a room that um, I was just following another person into town and they said, I wanna go up into this room and just check, out, uh, check this place out. It's a historic place, but that's all they told me. And when I went into that room and all that the room was, it was an empty, long rectangular room with the side windows open. So the, the fall air, the autumn air was blowing through. And all it was in the room was this bed, just an empty bed. And my friend sat there in front of the bed and just started to meditate. And when I sat down there, I started to have such an opening, an opening of experience of love, an experience of expanded consciousness. And then um, I was so uh, opened up. And when we left, I said, what was that? And they said, well, this is the place where Bhagwan Nityananda in 1961 died. This was the place where he died. And, and this is a being I really didn't know much about. And then after that, and since, uh, since uh, 1989, 
this presence of this Bhagwan Nityananda, I feel has always been in my life. It sounds ex extraordinary and kind of incredible that somebody I never um, you know, met, never talked to, could have such an energetic, profound effect in my life. But that is, that's this Bhagwan Nityananda. And Nityananda was the teacher of Swami Muktananda. And Swami Muktananda was the teacher of Guru Mai Chidvalasananda. And Guru Mai is a teacher, a, a great teacher that I have had uh, a good amount of time with um, over the last few years. So um, I haven't seen her in now in um, a few years, but I spent almost 10 years, three months out of the year in her, one of her ashrams, whether it was upstate New York, it was in Oakland, in, in Ganeshpuri, India. So I did live um, for at least three months of the year in one of these ashrams, one of her ashrams. And that was an incredible experience. So I gained so much from that. But Guru Mai has been um, the living presence of this Bhagwan Nityananda. And it's just, uh, it's kind of extraordinary. If, if you've never had the presence of a teacher like that, it's just hard to fully explain. Wow. And considering the, the guru principle of, of really of clearing out the ignorance of, of how divine that we are and feeling that, did you, would you call it a, a transmission? Like you caught it or a Shakti pot? Like how would you describe the catching of that essence, that frequency, that vibration from her, from her lineage? Yeah, so this whole idea of energy transmission, like what is that? So this experience that I'm describing in 1989 in Ganeshpuri, India, in front of an empty bed, I'm just sitting there for maybe 15, 20 minutes in a meditation, and I just was just smelling the fresh air go through the room. It was just something so simple. There, was no, there wasn't anything that I was thinking about but I was then completely overcome, if you will, or just filled with this energy of so much love that I literally started crying. And I probably was only maybe 30 years old at the time. And that was so odd for me to start crying. And again, spontaneously for seemingly nothing. So I was so shocked by the experience that when I went out of the room and went downstairs, and with my friend was like, what was that? What happened? I had so much energy. I felt so much of this tangible um, presence of love or spirit, whatever you want to call it, but it was real. So when I think of this energy exchange with the guru, this is one of the ways that there's no physical presence. There's nothing I'm seeing and nothing I'm hearing but there's a transmission. And for what, whatever reason, it was in that place where this great being, in fact, I learned later, the Bhagwan Nityananda was only in that bed for a fortnight, for 15 days before he passed. So, and that happened in 1961. So the energy of that death in that bed was still present. Now, I don't, you know, I can't explain that, but there are other ways too that we, I, I have gained transmission, if you will, from other teachers and even from Guru Mai, just the 
being close to her, sitting in her presence and looking, she and I looking at each other in our just eye to eye. So there's a transmission that happens through the visual. There is the word, you know, hearing somebody speak. Sometimes it doesn't even matter what they're really saying, the, the fact or the statements, but it's the energy that they speak. And you're just so moved, you're so inspired. It could be, again, it could be a singer. It could be, uh, you know, just a lecturer. It could be somebody that, again, the child that just says something seemingly uh, very innocuous, but it's just potent with energy. So the word carries this, this power. And then there's the touch. There's a physical, literally, like you connect with somebody. There's no word spoken. You're not, you have your eyes closed, but you're physically connecting. It could be a hug. It could be even a handshake. It could, it could be somebody put their hand on your shoulder just to comfort you. And your heart opens. You know, the mind uh, expands or even quiets to the point that there is a clarity of understanding. I've had these experiences multiple times in my life and have always felt like that's a, that's a, a moment of grace. It's a blessing. So I, I'm grateful for those moments. So you were, you were 30 years old around when that happened. So it sounds, I, I would think at that point in your life, that was probably the most impactful thing that had happened to you. Absolutely. You know, I, I have, um, when I was younger, I traveled too with my parents. And then in my twenties, I, I traveled to every state in the United States. Um, I started traveling internationally in the eighties. So I've had a lot of experience, but to that moment, I hadn't had such kind of a mystical experience. I, I, um, in, the, when I was an early teen, 13 years old, I joined a theosophical society. And so I had incredible experiences with them. This was in Ohio in the United States. And I, through them was introduced to other groups, a group of Sufis who I practiced with, meditated with. I had also amazing experiences with these Sufis. So I did have mystical experiences when I was a teenager, but when, when I was 30, that was so profound that it really, I, I feel like that helped to just put me on a different course of my life. And um, I feel super blessed. I feel very fortunate since. So what led you to India in that room with the bed? I mean, what, what, what led you to that point? Yeah, so it's such a trip because I went to India to study with a yoga master, BKS Iyengar, in Pune, India at the time. And after I finished my studies with him, I was just traveling in India, exploring. Um, and a few days prior, I had been in Goa, which is on the West Coast, and had got very sick. And after the illness was over, I thought, oh, I want to, I would love to just have some Western food because I've been eating, you know, the spicy food and I just, my stomach was so upset. And someone told me, oh, you should go to Ganeshpuri. They have the most amazing food and they have Western chefs and all this. And it was only one plane ride away. And so I took this, uh, took a flight and took a wild taxi ride that I'll never forget because um, uh, I was still sick and, and feverish. But when I arrived to the doors of this ashram, because this was the, the place they told me to go, 
that then my fever broke. And uh, I got, I, I came into the ashram and it was Guru Mai's ashram. And she had, she had uh, received the, the whole ashram from Muktananda and it was just down the road from this little village, Ganeshpuri, where the saint lived some years ago. So I spent my uh, first week in the ashram and met some people and they said, hey, we're going down to the town. Do you want to go? And uh, I just followed. So it was kind of just serendipity yeah. that I was there. Wow. That's cool. I love that story. And thank you so much for sharing. And when you talk about the transmission, it's like a contagion almost. And wouldn't you say that that's the, the same energy, the frequency that I felt in your presence and that so many other people feel in your presence because you had that transmission. So you were able to share it with others, that frequency. Yeah, it's really an interesting principle, you know, in physics, we have this idea of entrainment, right? So it, it goes all the way back, you know, where there was big grandfather clocks that had pendulums, right? And if you get one big pendulum moving, the other clocks in the room would get synchronized to that. They get entrained to the, to the vibration of the one grandfather clock. And so we have, I think, this, this idea of entrainment being in somebody else's presence and you start to resonate with that frequency or some part of it. And so, again, the more that we're around uh, people of like mind, we resonate with that, I think. And so if somebody would feel, oh, I feel a lot of energy from you, John, I would say, oh, well, that's got to be Guru Mai. Or that's got to be Bhagwan Nityananda. You know, I, I wouldn't take, oh, it's just me. You know, I feel like I, if I'm fortunate enough to resonate with more of that vibration, and that's what you feel, it's that kind of energy that's coming through the lineage. I've always believed that. So it's like the John Friend variant yeah. of Guru Mai. <laughs> yeah. well, well, I feel very, very grateful to have caught it. <laughs> So thank you for the transmission and it continues to grow. Can you explain also why someone would need a teacher and one within a lineage, whether it's an ancestral teacher or a yoga teacher, like why would someone want that? In this day and age, often people don't have a lineage. They might have been taught a generic type yoga where they don't even know where where the, the sequences have come from, if they've even come from somewhere. And in a, um, like an ancestral uh, cultural lineage, why would someone, why would somebody want that and, and, to, and to have uh, the, uh, the guru principle to help clear away any ignorance and help bring in the transmission of, of that, that loving transmission of, of wisdom to them? Yeah, I think it's a great question for these days, too, because in the postmodern mainstream culture, the idea of lineages to teachers has been so discounted and even in some parts really dismissed, you know, that we don't have this idea that somebody that has done 40 years of practice or, uh, you know, is more of an elder teacher 
would have greater value than even the uh, more basic first year student. Everything's been brought down to a very low common denominator. And a lot of the historic lineages have been broken and cut. So part of the, the big mainstream idea is that, oh no, you could just figure it out yourself. You, you know, um, you don't really need you know, to be connected to a lineage. And we see it in yoga that today you can take uh, a teacher training in a very short amount of time. It could be literally uh, weekends, uh, weeks, months, and you can start your own style. You have your own brand and we focus on that kind of individual, not connected to a lineage, a system, a, a particular teacher or methodology. So the way that I look at it in a more, I think of it as more neo-modern, that we do and can have a connection to ancient wisdom, to the power of those who have gone before that have literally built and accumulated knowledge, wisdom, this, this power, what the Sanskrit word is shakti, you know, spiritual power, uh, a connection to spirit itself that you're plugging in. So a lot of times being around a teacher that is very wise, that has practiced for decades, it's not even what they're telling the student, they just be in the presence and the student is picking up this understanding just naturally um, that there is such a potency in that. That's where it, it's so key, I think, to have these, to have a lineage, to have a teacher and that we can have a connection to ancient wisdom. It's not just that we make it up on our own now, so this is a big difference between the most more postmodern mainstream and what I think of as a connection to the ancient wisdom and still then bringing it into a modern time where there we can have new innovations, you know, that that each of us can use even more modern sciences and advance that which has gone before. I love that. Yes, thank you for that. And and in Kundalini, we call it the the golden chain. So so um, and keeping the lineage alive, but also your what you have to offer from that. So where do you have Aquarius in your chart? I have to think. What? Let's see. Because um, you're a rising um, Leo. Yeah, Leo rising. That's right. Leo rising, and um, so it would be like, what, what house would that be in? Yeah, that would be the polar polarity. So I think your seventh house, right? Yeah, so I don't know if I have any planets in, my, in Aquarius. What about your 11th house? Well, my 11th house is where my sun is and where, my, and where Mercury is too. So that's really the, the heart or the, the most powerful part of my natal chart, I think of is the 11th house. And so again, Uranus rules Aquarius and the 11th house and my Aquarius is in the first house. Uh, so those are, to me, that's the powerful, if you're gonna bring in the Aquarian side of it, that's, that's how I would see my Aquarian energy. And the Aquarian energy in the 11th house 
it, with my son there is my heart's com, uh, really almost like a compulsion to teach on a big scale, to communicate nationally, internationally, you know, to think of it not so local, but much more global. And community and connection of the heart, like-minded individuals, even my experience in the ashram, I think of as 11th house, you know, where I like to think of myself as being friendly. So, and I, I attribute that to my mother a lot, but feeling connections in neighbors, community, um, again, locally, regionally, and then just further expansion. That's a big 11th house. It's a big Aquarian concept. That makes sense that that's in your blueprint and that your name is John Friend. So there's no coincidence because the 11th house is about friends in, in, in reference to friends who share your connection, who share your, your system and with Aquarius being the frequency of knowing your individuality and your unique power while still staying connected with others. How do you do that? How would you, how are you, because you are a rebel with a cause and you are very much your authentic self. And how do you do that in that in stay in your power and stay connected to others? Can you share that? Cause that's a challenging thing to do. Yeah, that's a big, that's also a really big question because today offering ideas that are counter the mainstream, counter culture can create such a backlash, a pushback. You know, I've been ostracized uh, in so many ways, but there's something in for me in the heart like that when you know there's your own truth and you, you use the word authentic. So there's something inside that we just hold to be our highest value. We know it's the truth and it doesn't matter, you know, if um, you know that you're going to lose some friends or you're going to even lose a job opportunity or some material gain that I would surrender all of it to maintain the integrity of this value of my heart, what I hold to be most true, you know, my core values. And that's where I feel like uh, I have great will. I have great strength and commitment. And so there's nothing I just won't, uh, I just won't compromise. And you've done that. Yes. So you're, you're speaking from experience. So that's even more authentic. Like you've actually done that. And as, as challenging it, as it was, you came out from that even deeper and wiser, wouldn't you say? Yeah, even going back into when I started my yoga career in the 80s and I got into Iyengar yoga and was starting to teach nationally. And then I had gone to India a couple more times with Iyengar. But during one time, I just is like something snapped in my awareness and I was able to see clearly that I was not being authentic. I was literally compromising my values just to advance my career. I was, I was admittedly codependent on the whole situation and my star was kind of rising in the, in the bigger 
Iyengar yoga community at the time. But I realized I had to, I had to just stop. And so I sat with it for a while and then I wrote a resignation letter and was trying to be as honorable as possible and just said, um, I had to go, you know, I had to go on my own. So that was in 1995. And that was shocking to my colleagues, my friends, like, wow, you're giving it all up. You know, you don't have to, if you just stay basically quiet, they said, you, you're going to be, you're going to keep advancing. I was on the board of directors for the whole, the global organization. I was moving up very quickly. I had got gained certification, a second level certification in almost record time, but I just thought, no, this isn't right. So, but as soon as I put the resignation letter out, the phone stopped. My friends, these so-called friends basically just cut me off. I was ostracized. So that was the first, but I realized, no, you know what? I sleep better at night, even though I just lost so much. And I, uh, it hurt, you know, financially, it hurt my career and so on. It was definitely for me the right thing to do. So that gave me power. And then in 97, I started on USARA. And that went on for 15 years until 2012. And then I had this whole scandal happen uh, that was played out on the internet and on social media. And it was one of these things that it basically within 24 hours, 48 hours, there was such uh, speculation, so much wild energy that I was pushed out. It I was ostracized. And that was even a bigger hit. That was such a giant hit for me. But to, to relinquish it all. And again, faith in spirit, faith in, my, in myself, being able to look at my own shadows because I took full accountability for like, oh, this thing even though it was so big, I'm taking ultimate responsibility for it. You know, I didn't blame anybody else, but so I basically just had to take it and then go away. And there was never, there's really never been any kind of reconciliation from that. Um, the community never, uh, we never really, there was no investigation. The vast majority of people that I had had literally years and close relationship was completely cut, never heard from them again. So these are, these are things that temper one's soul, you know, because you really have to get real about what is most important for you. I, I went bankrupt the, the next year. I, was, I had to go bankrupt. So I lost everything, all of my copyrights, all of my trademarks that I had built and worked for 15 years, gone. You know, I uh, had to give them up in the bankruptcy. And so it was this incredible feeling of release. But again, you just, you go back, I go back to just holding true to what's most important. And then you learn from your mistakes. You know, you, you look at yourself, you say, wow, you know, um, I could, I was really blinded here, or this was a shadow type of addiction here or whatever it was that, I've been facing more directly head on and then you try to improve. And so I'm happy to say that in 10 years, uh, you know, I have made good progress, right? But it's still, it's a painful process. It's an alchemical process. Um, but again, I don't, uh, it's just the way that it went as well, you know? And 
So I'm better off than I was 10 years ago. And it's, it's really just holding, getting clear every day about what do I hold to be most true? What do I hold to be most important? What are my values? What do I really commit to? What do I really believe? And even questioning these last 10 years, what do I really believe? And realizing and sometimes, even after believing things for decades, that I was confused. I was deluded uh, to the point where I was believing something that wasn't even true. So that's been a big thing. And then being able to be more open-minded, a beginner's mind and be so humbled, like especially on just the subject of alignment, you know, which I have of course taught for now over 40 years. Um, 10 years ago, I realized that what I had believed to be true was not fully correct. That there was literally invalid assumptions in the whole structure of my belief system. And that's gigantic because when you let go of that, that it, even these fundamental assumptions, almost the whole house of cards falls apart. It's completely disorienting. You, you know, I had so much cognitive dissonance that I just, I didn't even know what to do. It just, it break, it opens the mind so much. And again, because I had lost, I had been pushed out. I think I was actually more open to shift because if I was stuck in that same place and I was making a lot of money or being come, becoming more famous, if you will, that I probably would have just stayed in compromise and not really wanted to look at, oh yeah, well, it's, it's not right, but I'm still going to do it. And because of what happened, I was more open to honestly look at my beliefs, honestly look at questioning even what I was doing professionally. And then, and then being able to publicly admit that I had made mistakes and that what I had been even teaching and offering might've been helpful in the short run, but in the long run, some of these things were actually harmful. That, that, that is a big statement, you know, to go back and admit your mistakes and say, hey, if I taught you this one thing, now I'm telling you, I discovered something new, please don't do that anymore because I realize it's actually deleterious, it's not helpful. But you know, it's interesting because the vast majority of people that I then went back and told, it'd be like if you, you're a manufacturer of something, a product, and you realize, uh-oh, the product I was selling is actually corrupted, and I, gotta, I have to have a recall, right? You know, th these, are, these are moral dilemmas. These are business dilemmas, right? And even though I told the, the former students that I had made a mistake, the vast majority did not want to hear it. And for a variety of reasons, I, you know, obviously I think I had broken their trust. It didn't matter what I said after that, because even when I told them, that, um, you know, I didn't want them to be harmed. So to make a change, they didn't want to hear it. So that's another very interesting, uh, you know, observation that happened. It's very interesting. And I feel privileged and lucky to have been part of that, to have seen that. And I remember seeing you like first when you came to Atlanta and you, 
the workshops and there'd be hundreds of people there. And then you came back with your brose ring method with Desi and there'd be maybe like 20 of us and you were smiling ear to ear and you were so happy to have us there and share with us these, these new mind body connections that you made. And I've always just wondered about like the, the ones that stuck with those alignment principles that you yourself who created them said, Hey, don't do them. I, and I never got that. <laughs> so I, I, I really, really admire that. Not only did you, what you did, which is uh, being true to your, your word and true to your beliefs that got deeper and wiser that you, this time with the bowspring, you learned from one of your students. That is really admirable. And what the two of you have done together. And I, I, I think Desi as well is a, is a rebel with a cause. And you both have that frequency, that Aquarian frequency of you, you're shifting the world, you're shaping the world, and you're seeing how to move society forward by your innovations. Yeah, thank you. That's a, that's a great assessment because it's the truth that Desi Springer was the one that right after the scandal happened, she showed me, she shared with me some of her really avant-garde ideas about alignment. And I tried them. And amazingly, what, they were very much opposite to what I had been teaching, but they actually worked, which didn't make any sense to me. But I tried them and I kept going with it. And it took months, literally, of every day practice and study and debating her. But for me to really get the, the, the clarity, the insight that, oh my gosh, she is onto something. This is really, this is something that's valid, right? And knowing that it wasn't going to be popular, it was really, again, facing the truth that, okay, this is the path. It was the right thing to do. And I would sacrifice the money, sacrifice whatever, but this was the thing that was going to help the most. And then to be, Desi had been my student in the past. So I'm coming to her as now her student. And that was another level of being, uh, just being humbled. But I was so open to the way that her mind works. She also has Uranus in the first. She's very Aquarian. She, she is completely authentic, doesn't really care, is not doing it for popularity for sure. Where I could say for myself that it was really fun and delightful to have such popularity, you know, and I would uh, build on that. I love to do that. But to see Desi was just like, no, this was, she was doing something she knew worked. She knew from inside. But she was very quiet about it. She didn't, it didn't matter who came to her class, even just a few students, that was irrelevant because she purely delighted in doing something she thought was gonna be the most healthy, the most helpful for her friends and students. And so when I got connected with her back in 2012, that was amazing. And then I thought, well, let's work together because I can then bring you, Desi, and your ideas to a much bigger forum and a much bigger audience, my 11th house energy, right? And so we, since then, we've traveled to 17 countries and spread, spread her ideas, the bowspring ideas out. And I helped to 
organize the principles literally into an, a system and a method. And it has just spread. And it's been, you know, when we first came to Atlanta, which was, um, you know, to bring the Bowspring, which almost nine, I guess, nine years ago. Yeah, it didn't matter who came, just even a few people like yourself that came and were open to it. And I was just so delighted. Wow, you guys, look at this. This is mind blowing, completely opposite than what we did. And it will, even though it's not so easy to do in the beginning, its potency is at a whole different level of what we've been doing. And this is an idea that can spread, will help so many. So it's just, it, it was thrilling and it's even more so today. Yeah, and I love the way you're using the word spread, like a, there you go, the contagion, it's, it's a transmission that we can catch it. And think about this, so your last name is Friend, right? 11th house, Friend. And Desi, isn't Desi mean pure? And then Springer, the whole bow spring is about being springy and springing. Um, so that's really interesting. And with your Leo rising, of course, you'd want to be, you know, to be seen and popular. And, and the, um, and also childlike, right? Because I think bow spring is it. Anasara was child had that too, which, which I was drawn to You have, you have such a playfulness and you taught us how to balance the, the polarity of playfulness and seriousness and to be playful in your seriousness and seriousness in your playfulness. And that's your Leo and your Aquarius, those balancing, right? So the, the Leo is the playfulness, the, the heart ruled, childlike, um, innocence. And Desi helps, helps bring that out in you. And then the, the Aquarius, the um, being able to unite everybody, being able to move society forward by your innovations that you figured a solution out that no one else has figured out. And you figured out how to um, unite the mind and body and the heart through these innovative techniques that really work. Yeah, thank you. It, and it's so true. Um, you know, the glyph, the symbol of Aquarius, and you have it in your background, it's not, it, it looks like two waves, but the waves have angular aspects, right? They're not rounded. And so it's really this energy that is more electric. You know, it's more, and it is like a transmission. It's moving, you know, across. It's, it's, it's moving from one mind to another. Their ideas, their, um, their systems and methods that get spread. Literally, it gets transmitted, and it gets it's transmitted in the air or the ethers. It literally is this energetic, spiritual energy that's Uranian, that's Aquarian. This is so bowspring in large part, I would say, is literally more Aquarian. It's it's a system for the age of Aquarius. It's not um, an old Piscean system of, you know, just body stretching or body positioning. You know, it's, this is a, we're using fascia, the idea of fascia. We're using waviness, curviness, spirals in a whole different level than what I did before. Using, integrating all parts, not just taking a piece of the body and say, I'm gonna do hip openers or shoulder openers, but to see that every single position is fully integrated, that what you're doing with your hands and your feet, what you're doing with your head or any part of the spine affects every other part. It's a system. You have to see a much bigger picture. This is Aquarian viewpoint. It's not this isolated small thing. It's a much more 
elevated, if you will, expanded view of the body and then how it connects with the mind, the nervous system, right? So the idea of the air element of Aquarius is largely connected to the nervous system and the brain. So the fascia and the muscle, the fabric around, the, the connective tissue around the nerves that's playing on that. If, you're, if you have an imbalance in your body, if one part of the body is much tighter than another, the tonus on the nerves is not balanced. So it will affect how we think, how we perceive, how we feel. And when there is more uniform balance, when there is this more natural harmony, then you're getting a flow. You're getting these waves that will create opening of the mind. That's where the light, the guru light comes in. And then, wow, you get an insight. You get, you get clarity, something you didn't understand until just that moment. You've been working on it for a while. Boom, you finally get it. And that's the universal. That's the, the guru principle that comes by aligning with nature. So this bowspring method, this Aquarian method is really just a more modern technique. It's just one of, you know, endless techniques that can help to bring us more in attunement with nature where the consciousness that can expand, where health and life energy can expand. That's really in a nutshell what we're doing with the bowspring. Wow. So people can find you on, you have a website and we'll yeah, link that Bowspring, in the show. Bowspring.com. Okay. Excellent. And so for my final um, question, so you're obviously gathering with friends like this makes you shine being, you know, 11th house Leo, and you like to gather with other rebels with the cause and you're guided not only by innovation and tapping into your, your innate genius to see the world in a new light, one that has never been seen before. You also connect us to shift from the inside out. And as all of us, particularly in this season with the currency of Aquarius, if we challenge ourselves to, to um, understand our most commonly held beliefs and notice what's what we're conditioned or these trained patterns and how to break them break through and stand in our authentic truth paying no mind to what others are saying but to our face or behind our back can you give us any kind of maybe a technique or a or, or something to guide us when when it gets rough like that like how we stand firm in ourselves no matter what others think or say about us because you've been through that and you come out on the other side and for all of us going through that to stand in our, our authenticity, can you give us some advice? Yeah, thank you. Well, it, it's such a, a giant subject, but to the heart of it, that what we hold to be true in our heart, that is our integrity. If we compromise, we know something, we know it one way, but we dismiss it, we ignore it, we block it just to gain the desire of maybe it is more popularity or money or something to just build our you know, career. The, the soul, our, I believe our soul is compromised. I really do. So I think that we all have to pause and think what is most valuable in our life? 
And when you, when you hold to your own truth, when you hold to your values, and, and when I'm saying your own truth, it's not just the relative truth on like what your feelings are, you know, your little ego feelings, but I'm talking about the truth that your soul knows. You know, you know what it feels like to love your family, to your children. You know what it feels like to love your parents or your grandparents, or you have a connection with these teachers that are just full of light, that you literally have a healing in their presence. That's, that you know in your heart. If you compromise that, if you give away what you really know in your heart to be the truth, the universal truths, you lose everything. You lose everything. It won't matter how much money you make, how popular, how famous you get, all your accumulated material possessions. You'll, your heart, you're, you'll be sad at the end of the day. Your, your soul gets disconnected from, from this body, this life. And that's the, that's the saddest thing that can happen. So the most meaningful thing is we got to bring in the soul into this life into our mind body and in a way that that's we hold and it doesn't matter what the outer world does you you're true to the universal truth in your own heart and whatever i could do to inspire that and just one thing just as a technique is every day ask yourself you know why do i believe that it, and really start to question even these things that we're being told especially now, like in the mainstream, because the news, the, the mainstream news in large part is composed of even propaganda, or it's composed of certain ideologies that need to be questioned instead of just blindly followed. So otherwise, we start to have this soul disconnection. We start to lose our connection to our core values, and we start to follow, I think, a much darker path. So right now, this is such a time, you know, Aquarius is like about revelation. It is apocalypse. It's literally, you start to have an awakening. You have a flash of insight. Ask yourself, you know, why do I believe that? Is that true? You're, and you just got to keep doing it. And nobody else, you start to, you, you got to use your mind. You got to use your reason your logical mind, but you also have to use your intuitive mind. So the mind has these components, you know, the intuition that connects to the soul and the mind that is reasonable, rational, common sense. You know, don't let other people say, well, you don't have a degree in this or that, or you're not expert in that. No, no, no. You can, there's a lot of basic common sense. You can tell when something doesn't feel right, something is off. And we've got to challenge it now more than ever. So, and then choose the light, choose the highest and you'll sleep well at night. You'll have a beautiful life. I promise. Thank you so much. And um, so I think how you can also help us is you're a Pisces moon. So we'll have you back during Pisces season. Yes. What do you think, Brandon? <laughs> yeah, John, you're welcome back anytime. That was, uh, that was excellent stuff. Great stories, insight. And I'm glad you mentioned common sense too, because I think I feel like that's one of the more underrated qualities today. We need a little mm -hmm. bit more of. Yes, for sure. So thank you, John, for your transmission, your sound code, the transmission of your wisdom and your sound code to all of us. And woohoo, everybody. That's John Friend. Thanks, John. Thank you, Brandon.
Thank Ooh. you, Cher. Fourth quarter, this week's top four list. Woohoo! Okay, we're back. Fourth quarter. Uh, that was that was a really really fun third quarter and and i'm glad i got to to finally meet one of your teachers and not only learn about john but also where you've picked up your uh your learnings from yes i've caught a lot of enriching currency from john friend yeah that was cool that was cool okay fourth quarter we do a top four list every week what's the top four lists for this week cheryl Four ways to catch 11's currency. Okay. Number four, go on a no complaining diet. No, no complaining at all? <laughs> yes. Wow. And okay. that includes hearing it too, because that, that would be consuming. So you're not consuming any complaints from you or from anyone around you. So what if somebody around me complains? What do I do? Do I just wave them off? I just walk away? Well, you can explain to them that you're on an, um, a no gotcha. complaint diet. I like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. Doctor's orders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or pseudo guru's orders. Pseudo guru's orders. <laughs> okay. Number three, listen to your own sound current. So you can fall in love with it as well as know your true voice. Okay. And are you, do you mean literally listen to your sound current, like record mm -hmm. yourself? Record yourself and listen. So it could be on a voice memo. You could have a Zoom call with yourself and listen to it so that your mind knows your true voice and you know it as well. And if it's if you don't like the sound of your own voice, then it means you're out of alignment somewhere. Most likely your head is too far forward. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me just clarify something here. So Let's say I listen to myself. I don't like the sound of my voice. And you're saying my head is too far forward. Am I taking this literally? Like, what am I? How do I? Literally. I mean, I'm standing here now over my microphone, my head. Okay. Yeah, I can see you. So you'd be lift, lift, uh, sitting up really straight and bring your throat back, like both sides of your throat back a little bit. So it's, a, it's a posture thing. It's the posture thing. Okay. You, oftentimes, it's also a disconnection from the throat to the belly, the belly, your power, your belly button. Okay. And those it's disconnected. So that would be, you'd want to set your navel every morning with the practices that we do, like on Woohoo. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. Okay. Number two, be impeccable with your word. Mm. So if you say you're going to be somewhere, be somewhere. Yeah. You say you're going to do something, do it. Do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And number one, have a mantra, have a catchphrase, have a, a spell, your own spell that you repeat, repeat, repeat out loud as a whisper in your head constantly. Yeah, you're a big proponent of mantras. Mm -hmm. I've since tried to and have been creating some for myself. Uh, could you give any examples of maybe some good ones from people that you've heard and maybe speak to why they were a good mantra? Well, in Kundalini, there's four seed mantras that work really well. Um, so one of those would be Sat Nam that's perfect for Aquarius season because it's the truth, the truth of who, who you are, your real truth. And the clear, and with the guru principle of clearing out the goo of who you're not so that you know your real majestic divine power, Satnam. 
And victory is another really fabulous one. Very high caliber word. Um, Woohoo, of course, which Mm -hmm. we um, practice. Yeah. And you know, even like, right. Nike, what's Nike? Nike's isn't Nike named after a a Greek God, right. Or goddess. Correct. Nike. I should should probably know this, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's sure you're right. Yeah. And, and just do it is, is, you know, a great mantra, um, a great spell because your words have power. That's the 11 currency. The words have power. So the more you, you're, you have integrity with your word, you are listening to your sound current. You're, you're realizing the power of your words that can be used to, to create or destroy and work, work with them. And, and, um, really listen to your, to the words that you're saying and the words that you're not saying. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to, to wrap up this episode. There's a lot of cool stuff that were, was packed into in this week. And thanks again, Mm -hmm. once again. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, um, I am glad we get to combine our sound currents together. There you go. There you go. Okay. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Happy 11th episode. Woohoo. Woohoo.